Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Kale Matson, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Welcome to Tobin tonight. Uh, I'm so thrilled to have you on. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing great. First off, where did you kind of develop your interest in music? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I started playing guitar when I was about 13 or 14, and um, you know, sort of, you know, start playing like you know, classic rock and those types of things to learn how to play guitar. And but I didn't start writing songs till I was about 18 or 19 years old. Okay, okay. And who are some of your influences? Uh, I, I'm going to give you a bit of a compliment before we start. Like start off here as well is um, when I'm listening to your music it's very distinctive, very unique and I I guess this is a compliment depending on who you listen to but uh, Bob Dylan that's who you kind of remind me of Oh well, that is a compliment (laughs) I think by anyone's standards Uh, Yeah, I mean like Dylan it's, uh, that's you know, one of the first real you know, like I think everyone sort of goes through a bit of a shift in their taste when they're younger and just some, you know, stuff that's a bit more um, intellectual or, you know, and Dylan was like a really sort of easy thing for me to grab onto when I was, you know, probably 15 or 16 and um, sort of start that itch about, you know, writing your own songs and thinking you're, you know, maybe you could do this at some point. Um, obviously not as good as him, but, um, you know, uh, lyrically he's been probably the biggest influence on me, uh, you know, out of anyone. Okay, okay. And who are some other ones that you maybe, uh, like, modeled your music after or just listened to and thought, hey, this is cool, I want to do what they're doing? Yeah, I mean, like, I was, like, probably, like, any teenager, sort of, you know, early 2000s, like, I was, you know, when I first started playing time, like, I was into, you know, like, all the, you know, like, Green Day and, like, what do you do and stuff like that, but then, you know, there's... The real sort of like shift happened when that sort of turned into the weaker dance and you know bright eyes or um, Wilco, which still is probably like my favorite band of Jeff Tweedy. It's my favorite you know songwriter probably ever. Um, and that was Wilco was like a really big like turning point for me, and that led to the you know the sort of obsession with you know Dylan and Springsteen and. Uh, you know, Paul Simon, you know, all those, that was sort of the, the gateway into a lot of the older music that, you know, is my favorite. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. Now, you mentioned about Blink-182. I, I'm going to ask this question and, you know, could divide the fan base here, but uh, old, mm. bl- old Blink or New Blink? <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I guess like yeah, it's probably sort of a mixture. I mean, I, I I got sort of in and out pretty quickly. Okay. Um, I guess uh, the I'm trying to think. I don't know the album titles anymore, really. But the the one with like the smiley face was sort of that was like a big deal in like grade seven for me. Uh, <laughs> um, always, always. Yeah. Pun intended. Okay. Pun intended. Yeah. Uh, um, no, that's that's great. Like I, I agree with you. Uh, I I I bring it up because I'll put myself under the gun here. But like, um, I grew up loving like Tom DeLonge. So like Tom DeLonge sound is what I really like. And then when they <laughs> sure. had the, when they had the new Blink, I'm like, yeah, it's still cool, but it, it's just it, it's always that thing where it's like it's not Tom DeLonge. I don't like this, but uh, they they have some good tunes. Um, now I I see here that you grew up in. Sault Ste. Marie, uh, some, from coming from, I'm from St. John's myself, so tell me what life was like in Sault Ste. Marie. Um, I don't know, I think it's, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really realize, where, you know, it just happens to be the city you live in. Um, it's a small town, it has, you know, lots of problems um, <laughs> that were probably around when I was growing up and oblivious to. Uh, I don't know, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's sort of unremarkable. I always sort of joke that Susan Marie gave me um, my, uh, my ambition. <laughs> The way you say, right? So, but you know, the city itself is, I think, as I've gotten older, and certainly as I've gotten, um, you know, I've released more records and, you know, you know, written a lot more songs. It's become a sort of staple in um, how I write and informed a lot of, you know, the characters I write about and, um, at least some of the themes I think that have sort of come up in my songs over and over again. Um, right. So in that, some ways, so I guess in those ways, I'm sort of you know I'm happy to be from somewhere like that. No, no, I agree. I, I think it was actually cool that you mentioned about how it's like growing up in Sault Ste. Marie gave you like a desire to leave because when it came, it's like I, I don't know if you listen to a lot of comedy, but Patton Oswalt has a stand-up that he talks about where he grew up, and in their local newspaper, a guy would write about like the top things that come in the year and there could be like politicians coming to town, but he would always write about something that happened like five meters away from his house. And Pat Oswalt was like, I I just got sick of it. And I was like, you know what? There's so much more out there. Like I'm leaving. And it's like, you have no idea how great it is to leave. So I thought that's what it, it brought up. But uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's I guess in some ways it's sort of empowering in that respect. Um, you know, like uh, it, it's it's like any other small town. You know, I think it's sort of generic in that way. But um, yeah, it's I I, I, don't, I certainly don't um, regret my upbringing or anything like that. Oh, oh no, no. I, I mean, I, I was just looking at because the way that you were saying it was just like, oh, that kind of reminded me of it. But no, like any time that I've talked to anyone uh, in Ottawa, Toronto, even here, sometimes they'll say, you know, I had to get up and move out of my town just to expand or just to grow, which I think that's kind of what you're getting at, right? Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I like you speak of Ottawa, like I moved to Ottawa sort of as I started like writing songs and <laughs> making records and that's where I've lived since um, and that's sort of become home and you know there's there's I don't know that's that's, that's a, it's a common thing for everyone to, to leave home at some point absolutely but, yeah anyway 
Um, so y- you mentioned a little bit about writing songs. Now, I don't want to bring up any like kind of rough or tough subjects here as well, because again, that's not the kind of podcast we're running. But uh, I-, I wrote down here that you wrote songs to deal with losing your mother due to cancer at 16. Now, I know that's tough. It's a subject, obviously, that's very uh, emotional and a lot of people go through it. But um, was that kind of your way of coping with the pain? Um, I mean, I, I don't, I've, I'm, I, I've, I've never had, <laughs> never been through therapy. Uh, um, you know, uh, I've always, I always joke that I'm too poor at the therapy. Uh, but, you know, probably, there's probably some truth to that. I mean, um, he, she, you know, losing my mom was definitely like it's. It was. It's. You know, I wrote a record about it. Um, and that was sort of the record that really like gave me a career. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think you know, I was that that sort of came at a time where I was sort of old enough and I was to deal with things a bit more. You know, losing a parent at sixteen is not a unique thing. Um, it's not. It doesn't happen very often when you're not. You're, you're not fully an adult, but you're close, you know? Um, and, you know, writing songs about it, you know, it, it sort of opened up a new way of to write for me and give me, give my songs, like, more meaning rather than, you know, just something that sounded cool. Or, you know, I think my first few records, there was, you know, there's always little hints of some of that stuff, but... You know, writing about her and what happened um, really uh, sort of took everything to do with, like, you know, my songs and songwriting and music to the next level because it felt weighty and important. You know what I mean? It, you know, I wasn't going to, like, I'm not going to, I felt uh, sort of pressure to be, uh, it's not right, uh, like a shitty record about my mom yeah. dying, <laughs> you know? Um, so. Yeah, I guess I, I, I guess just a long-winded answer of that, but um, yeah. No, no, and, and again, I apologize for bringing it up. I just think that's oh, no, something no, that uh, a lot of people can either relate to or go through, and it might not be just like dealing with cancer, but it be dealing with someone that's gone through either suicide or like whatever. It's just um, these kind of tales or stories sometimes bring people out of the woodshed and give them new light. I guess. Yeah, it's it's not just informed, you know, what I do for a living. Um, it's, it gets it very much informed who I am as a person. Um, I think anyone who's sort of gone through something like that, you know, at that age, um, would tell you the exact same thing. It sort of defines you in a lot of ways, good and bad. Um, so, yeah. No, absolutely. I agree with you there. Um, now, in 2008, you released a six-song EP, Telescope, uh, 150 mm. copies with your childhood <laughs> friend, uh, Rory Lewis. Now, I want to ask you, and again, not trying to poke fun at you overly, but 150 copies, okay. all sold? Yeah. All sold? <laughs> Yeah, of course. I, absolutely. That's that's great. I love that because it's like, imagine if people are coming at your door going like, I've got a copy. My buddy wants a copy. You're like, dude, I only made 150. They're like, oh, man, this is vintage now. 
Um, you know, they exist in the world somewhere. Uh, I don't have any copies, nor do I wish to see or hear any of it again. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking 2000, yeah. 2008, you know, the streaming didn't exist. You know, the internet, the YouTube didn't exist. So, um, selling CDs is much easier than. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it because it's like, I, when you just mentioned that you don't have a copy, I'm like, what happens if you see one of these on like a eBay or something one day? Are you going to try to purchase it? Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, in 2009, of course, you released uh, Whisper B. Uh, this was recorded at uh, your school, the Sir James Dunn Collegiate, and produced by your music teacher, Mark. Uh, I might butcher this last name. Go. Okay. Um, how important was it to do this at your school and have that music teacher involved? Uh, yeah, Mark was uh, my guitar teacher in high school um, and was sort of became a really good friend. And uh, he used to have a home studio where he produced, you know, produced bands and made records. And then he ended up moving with his home studio into our high school and taught recording. And um, we basically were sort of, my first record was like, it was, I was like a guinea pig for um, the studio. Like, <laughs> we were like ironing out all like the kinks and, um, you know, setting up the studio. So we got pretty studio time to make my first record and um yeah it was sort of um yeah it was essentially like the first two uh, I can't remember it's 11 or 12 songs <laughs> uh but it was like the first 11 12 songs that I ever wrote and uh yeah I mean like it was that's sort of what it was you know like we got really lucky most people don't get to record their first 11 or 12 songs you know it takes them years to be able to you know get to a point where they can afford to go to a studio and you know, produce it and mix it and master it and all that stuff. I just got really lucky that, you know, all that stuff was sort of there for me. So, um, yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think that'd be like demo for a lot of people. Um, but I got, I got lucky and then it sort of became, you know, a full record. Absolutely. And I want to mention this as well. Why, why was the meaning behind the title Whisper Bee? I couldn't tell you that. That's, that's a long time ago now. I think it was just we thought that song was like the best song on the record, and that's what you do. You know? Okay. No, no, that, that's fair. No, that's that's totally fair. <laughs> Yeah, especially when it's like 2009, just releasing your first one. You just want to get it out there. So you're like, you know what? This is what yeah, we're going to we do. We were 18. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I was 18 years, 17, 18 years old. You know, uh, yeah. yeah. We weren't, uh, you know, we, we didn't have all the answers, let me tell you. No, for sure. And I, I do I do admire the fact that, uh, you know, you're just a go-getter because especially at like 18, right? Like you're just saying, okay, this is music. This is what I want to do. And if someone ever approached you and said, hey, man, I've got a way to get a, a demo out. Like some of them were like, huh, no, I'm not doing that. But you were like, yeah, let's do this. Oh, yeah, just just completely like <laughs> blind optimism. <laughs> that, was, that was the sort of the name of the game at that point. It was just, what? yeah, let's do it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I like that. And now in 2011, I mean, I'm guessing with your friend Rory Lewis, you grew into this full band. You had an album called Anchors, uh, uh -huh. Thick as Thieves. I love that. Just, I, I just love that title, Thick as Thieves. It, it just rolls off the tongue. Um, yeah. so explain that. Like, do you guys still do, do you, like, 
you know, re- rehash the band? Do you still do a little bit of tours every now and again? Well, I mean, it's, it wasn't really a band. It was like there was four guys that I started to play with live. It's still all my songs and everything. Um, I think um, I think some of the I guess maybe like the sort of figuring out what um, the sort of project was happened on that record. You know, it's like a far more of a band sounding record. Like it's you know big drums, it's, it's big indie rock record. You know, and super into the weird bands and pavement. Um, that's what that record sort of sounds like. There's a lot of luxury guitars on it. Um, but I don't play music with any of those guys anymore. No. No, that's okay. That's fair. That's fair. Now, in the this is the big thing that I, I like to bring it back there a little bit because you were mentioning about. Um, the importance of your mom as well and you actually have in 2014 uh, Someday the Moon Will Be Gold and the cover Uh was uh, a painting by your mom is that correct? Yeah, all the artwork was hers, yeah. So I guess that's a a good way to kind of, a little bit of a tribute and a good way to tie it into your music as well, right? Well, that was the record about her so um, so all the art was you know, and we were trying to. Once I was done the record, I couldn't figure out what to do with the artwork because you know, it's a, when you have a record like that and it's so personal and so like open, it's you know, finding an image to attach to it, it becomes a tricky thing. Um, and those paintings that are in the you know the cover and the inside fold and everything of someday um, were just uh, in my house. Did them at some point. I don't know when. Um, so it ended up being with the nice like a perfect sort of bow on you know the record as a project and you know conceptually what it was all about no I, I agree and I, it obviously worked because like you know you won a best songwriter best album by a solo artist at the 2015 Northern Ontario Music and Film Awards uh, you had concert tours in Canada and Europe for this album like I mean it, it's just it seems like a really cool kind of experience or story in the, in the aspect of, you know, you get to use her artwork, you get, you bring in a little bit of your own personal experience and it gets you a little bit of a, the Canada and Europe like attention as well. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the record that nominated for the Polaris as well. Like it was, um, it, everything sort of leveled up with that one. So Kale, with all that being said, I'll give you a little bit of my background of how, of course I, I came to discover you. Um, in, at Algonquin College, while I was doing a radio program, they have these two stations. They have Air AM 1700, which is plays pop music, and then they have CKDJ, uh, plays a little bit of local acts. So while we're doing the station, I, I seen a few of these songs, and Air AM was playing Hotline Bling, and you know what? I wasn't really into it. Not, not really into the, the whole Drake feel. So then we go into CKDJ, and lo and behold, Hotline Bling cover. And I was like, oh, man, people are doing covers of this song? Like, brutal. And then I listened to it, and I was like, no, this is this is good. This is I like this. And then I did another shift, and another one of your songs came up um, that was Avalanche. Love that one. So uh, when the end of the year came, we had to pick our best song or a song that really defined us in our two years at the university. And the one that I chose was... Uh, a combination of Avalanche for part one and Hotline Bling, just because I like how you bring the a little bit more emotion into the song. Oh, cool. 
Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really cool because even when I went home to look at the video of Avalanche, I, I just love like that's so creative how you took all these different album cover or covers and you just made it into a video. Like whose idea was that? And just explain it. Um, yeah, for the Avalanche video. Um, I believe the idea was originally my manager's. Um, we based it off of like a there was a Jay-Z commercial like in the mid 2000s I can't remember what it was for uh, but he recreated all his album covers in one shot okay. from like a 30 second commercial and we had the idea to do that for like all of my favorite album covers let's make a video and make it look like it was all one shot um, which you know you can say that out loud and that sounds like a good idea but it also could be a terrible music video if you don't execute it you know um, so I sort of I came up with the album covers and picked which ones were going to work and then um, it sort of yeah it was a real collaboration between my manager Andrew and I and then um, we did it and uh, it didn't suck <laughs> and uh, it did really really well for us it was sort of you know we were talking about someday really taking the next step for me that was Avalanche was like you know a step above that you know a lot of, a lot of really cool stuff happened with that just because of that video and you know that song yeah I mean I mean you're being so humble Kale so humble uh, <laughs> it was Juno it was a nominated for a Juno an MMBA much music video award for like the iHeart radio awards and you won a prism prize for that as well so I mean listen you you can you can tell when you when you win a nominated it's cool that, that's not that's not being egotistical uh, but no, it, was, it was cool it was great it did a lot of good stuff for me yeah um, now I, I want to talk about of course a little bit about the Hotline Bling cover like why did you choose that one per se as, as a cover to do um, so at the time we were um, we were trying to figure out uh, I think Avalanche had just come out or was just about to come out and we're trying to think of like a cover to put out um this is sort of right at the beginning of streaming and a lot of that stuff you know it was a bit more open in terms of how a song could be successful in that platform and uh i think yeah that song how long blink came out and that's you know an undeniable hit and i think we recorded we recorded the song in an afternoon, um, but I think like we put it out within a week of Drake putting his out. We did it very quickly, um, and it really capitalized on sort of that being around. And you know, now it's got like I don't know, something like ten million plays across Apple and Spotify and SoundCloud and stuff. Um, but it was just it felt a little fluky. Like we just sort of did it, and people liked it. <laughs> I mean, I thought the song was great. And I just sort of put my own little twist on it. You know, it's the same melody and the same words that Drake had, you know. Um, it was, it's there. It's, you know, we dressed it up a little differently. Absolutely. But the, I, I'll give you this because I actually, and again, you might think I'm crazy for doing it or you might be like, no way you did that. But um, when the Hotline Bling kind of ringtone came out, everyone kind of had it on their phones. And I was like, I'm hearing this on the radio. I'm hearing it on people's phones now. And it was just enough. So... I found I liked your cover, so what did I do? I made Hotline Bling Kale Madison as my ringtone. 
Oh, um, great. Yeah, well, so now when I get up in the morning to go to where's work... Where's my check? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'll, have to, I'll have to figure that one out. Uh, but... No, it's it's great because now when I get up in the morning, if I'm uh, especially in the early it's morning, still your ringtone. Yeah, I still oh have this my ringtone. I like uh, it that I much. Think you, I think you need to find a new one. Oh come on! <laughs> the the act is telling me to get a new ringtone. This is this is harsh. Um, no, I I loved it just because it has that emotion, especially when you're getting up. Just say it's six o'clock and it's dark outside, and you hear the uh, ever since I left the city, and it's just your vocals. I'm like, yeah. It's a pretty sad day here, but at least I got Kale Madison to, to feel, well, help, help me with it's, it. It is a super melancholy song, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, people, you know, it's pop music, pop music in general, like, people don't listen to the words a lot of the time, um, you know, and melodically and musically, like, his version is so upbeat and, like, cool sounding, you know, but the words are sad, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, sadness is, you know, what I do for a living, so it's, uh, um, it was pretty easy to put my spin on it let's look at the brighter side of things kale uh i see that i've seen through uh, i guess it's through a few your instagram and facebook posts that you're working on new projects and uh so explain those um yeah so it was, well it's just one project um i we just finished it it's um it's sort of a, it's a new new group it's a new duo um with me and my friend andrew uh soka who's, he's played in my band for oh, um six seven years now um okay. so it's a duo project um with him and i and it's called somersets and um we just finished a six song ep that's going to come out in may and um yeah it's uh it's it's i'm really really proud of it it's it's the sort of idea behind it is you know i put out a record in 2018 called youth and um you know the the record is like a really big sounding record there's lots of it's very produced um in a good way i think but we the whole idea between behind that record was we wanted to make folk music in 2018 and use synthesizers and drum machines and a lot of sort of modern production techniques into folk songs and um, you know while touring that record Andrew and I would do sort of Simon F. Garfunkel versions of a couple of the songs that really we couldn't recreate with the band and so we would just play two of us two guys singing you know harmony the entire time and playing two acoustic guitars and after doing that record I was just like why do I keep wanting to play these like big huge rock songs and big huge pop songs like just Andrew and I singing and you know that's sort of what I've was super into and felt the best and felt the most honest so I started to write in that sort of I started to write um, a bunch of character songs and far more narrative songs than I had done in the past um, and then it sort of just blossomed into this duo project where Andrew and I are like you know we were just super inspired by you know Simon and Garfunkel and Crosby, Stills and Nash stuff from the late 60s early 70s that you know was my favorite sort of stuff and um yeah, we made a record. Uh, we're going to do two six-song EPs this year. So one full length that'll come out um, by the end of the year. And uh, yeah, it's called Somersets. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Kale Matson for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. 
Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thanks for listening and good night. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.